0: Previously on Dry Powder,
1: we definitely want to open up private markets as an asset class to a broader audience.
0: Thomas Eskebeck, CEO of Titan Bay, described how he partners with wealth providers and gives them access to the top performing private equity funds. But Titan Bay is not the only business in town. In recent years, we've seen a proliferation of digital platforms for private assets. And there is an explosion really going on now of private asset class opportunities that folks really want access to. Now, what a lot of people are calling the democratization of private assets is not going to be without challenges. Today on Dry Powder, Thomas and I will discuss whether private investing platforms could enable private equity houses to finally make inroads into retail capital or small individual capital, which has eluded the industry for decades. I'm Hugh MacArthur, head of Bain's Global Private Equity Practice, and this is Dry Powder. Now, Thomas, you've talked a bit about small institutions. You've talked about family offices. You've talked about high net worth individuals. What we're really discussing here, I think, at its heart is the movement toward retail for private markets and the private equity industry, which has been a Mm -hmm. a goal for for many, many years. Almost half of the world's investable capital is with quote unquote retail or more individual family office style investors. Is this type of digital platform that you've created a real movement into retail private equity or is it a step before that? How would you describe where we are in the journey toward true retail access and what that's going to look like for private markets
1: it's a very interesting question and i actually think there are quite big regional differences so we are headquartered in london and my priority focus right now is covering all of europe we do have investors from the americas as well we have investors from uh, asia pacific we have investors from the middle east as well and right now our belief is that it's held by the regulators as probably it should be, um, i.e., the regulators are setting the limit for who can make investments into this asset class. What we are trying to do is to help enable a broader group of investors invest in the asset class, but in a thoughtful and considered way. And the reason for that is is very very simple. The regulators are there to protect, in particular, the retail investors, and they are progressing cautiously in this space. What we want to do, and we are actually engaging the regulators both at a European level and and beyond is to show them that this can be done in a way that is still protecting off the investors and, and thoughtful for the investors. Fundamentally, we believe that there is a trend towards private markets, that private markets and, and private equity in particular is a very interesting asset class for these types of investors. And if you do it thoughtfully, the returns and the potential outweigh the, the risk that you can see.
0: Yes, I can certainly see why from a GP perspective, you'd be very interested in these types of investors because the pools of capital and aggregate are, are quite large. But talk yeah. a little bit more about the forces that are making these quote unquote retail investors, if I can just use that blanket term to call them that, yeah. interested in the private markets. Well, what are the forces that are kind of nudging them towards saying, hey, take a look at some of these funds, some of these asset classes that you might not be as knowledgeable about because they're interesting for your overall portfolio. Well, Why? Why would that be?
1: hmm I cannot claim to be a macroeconomic expert, (laughs) Um, but I think some of the trends that we have been seeing over the last few years, there have been an increasing trend towards private markets and for smaller and smaller investors who want to get into private markets. I've read some some data recently that the number of listed companies in the US, for example, had gone from 5,500 to 4,000 over the last 15 years. You see companies staying private much longer, and you see a lot of the growth happening in the companies that are private. And that means that, as an investor, and particularly as a smaller investor, if you do not have exposure to private markets, you're missing out on a large part of the growth opportunities that are out there. So, I think that's the overall uh, shift that's driving the focus of private markets.
0: Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting macro stew when you think about it. Your point about the, even some of the largest economies, like the United States, having more thinly traded public equity opportunities, uh, is reflected in many different economies around the world, and as we know for well over a decade the credit markets have been very challenged from a yield perspective for investors and so yeah. th- to some extent this good question is being asked you know where do i go to actually get real access deeply into different opportunities investment styles industries subsectors that that's not as easy a question to answer as it was perhaps 15 or 20 years ago for a smart investor who has the ability to to put money to work and just looking for ideas yeah. really to put money to work
1: and i think a big part of it is also showing the regulators that this can- be done in a responsible way in a way that is in line with the investor's interest and not just about selling stuff but actually giving the investors real opportunities for real returns
0: see to me that's a really critical issue thomas i mean the two things that come up when you talk about private market access for individuals are number one, liquidity, uh, Mm -hmm. because typically you don't have a lot of liquidity in Mm -hmm. private markets. And number two, uh, or you can order them any which way you want (laughs) to order them. Number two, the regulatory uh, issue about how do we make sure that this is all sort of as it would be with the public markets or close enough that we can all trust the system. And as you look, we've seen a number of these private investment platforms, many of them digital, crop up in recent years. How do you see that space evolving? How how do you see the kind of, what are we going to be looking at as a landscape of, of places where people can go to invest over the next, say, five or so years, regulation issues, liquidity issues? What's that look like in your mind?
1: I think from a regulatory perspective, I think we are already beginning to see the regulators recognizing that the industry has matured enough that there are real opportunities for investments in this space. They are recognizing that if done well and if done responsibly, then this asset class should be something that the smaller investors have access to. Because right now, by restricting their access or keeping them out of that, you're actually harming those investors by not opening up that that asset class to them. That said the responsibility of the regulators and in particular i would say the responsibility of us as an industry is to make sure that this is done in a way that reflects the investors interest and that's what i think will win out as we look forward say five years it is those approaches that have the investors interest at heart and bring that to the front that's how we see it develop Yeah. the other part of the question was about liquidity
0: it's really around liquidity you know if i'm an insurance company if i'm a pension fund i i I obviously I have very sophisticated cash flow modeling. Yes. I don't expect to have liquidity for this part of my portfolio. If I'm an individual, I may have other issues and actually need liquidity or or, or yeah. figure out I have to have how do I think about that in this type of uh, digital platform format?
1: Yeah. And I think that's one of the problems that needs to be solved and I think there are different approaches to that uh, sort of at a very high sort of almost philosophical level private equity and private markets is By almost by definition, an illiquid asset class. And there are different attempts to make it liquid, but you lose a lot of the benefits of the asset class by trying to mirror, trying to add a liquidity component to it so there are different attempts at that and some work better than others but at its heart it is an illiquid asset class and that's not really i'm not really expecting that to change so the way we see it and the way we we look at it is that we recognize that our investors will occasionally have the need for liquidity but at the same time most liquidity solutions are not necessarily in the best interests of the investors because there are multiple levels of discounts applied generally in a secondary situation not always but as a rule of thumb therefore our view on it is that our investors need to have the opportunity should they need it, but we should not encourage our investors to think of this as a liquid asset cost. They need to be aware that it is a liquid and that has pros and cons, and they should be planning for that. So the way we do, we do it is that we give our investors the tools to understand what does the cash flow profile look like? What does that look like over time? When you make an investment, what should you be expecting in terms of cash flows over time? In addition to that, should the need arise, we do have a secondary liquidity capability, both to other investors through an an auction-like setup, but also through some large partners who are liquidity providers in that secondary market. So I think we've solved it largely for the majority of cases. And it's very important from our perspective, at least, that our investors understand that this is inherently not a liquid asset class and they should not treat it as such. They should not come in and expect to be day trading. Um, They they should come in with the expectation of holding these assets for a longer period of time. Got it. And as long as you go in with that and you then provide the opportunity for liquidity should the need arise, then then I think that solves the the problem.
0: Got it. So think in terms of years, not in terms of days when investing.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And one of the challenges for smaller investors to actually take advantage of some of these private asset opportunities that are out there, which can yes. be, as you well know, in the in the millions and millions of dollars. To um, yes. what extent yes. do private investment platforms or digital platforms like Titan Bay or what's the ability to actually drive down that minimum for private equity investment?
1: I think that's one of the core core components of of the offering in the sense that as you say a lot of the leading funds have minimums minimum investment sizes of say 20 25 million and you simply won't get through the door until you can unless you can put that amount of money to work in one single check and very few of our investors are, are able to do that. So the way we work is that we have uh, feeder funds where we collate or combine a number of smaller investment tickets into one ticket towards the underlying GP so from the GP's perspective, they see us as a single institutional LP. We operate like any other institutional investor would. So they don't see any of that complexity. And then behind us, we handle all of the complexity of letting individual investors in. So our minimum ticket sizes are, are currently uh, about 125,000 euros or $150,000. And that allows a much broader segment. Of investors to invest in this asset class one of them is actually quite interesting we have an altruistic foundation based out of finland and they've been looking to get into private markets for several years, but they can't because they can't allocate enough money. And given the investment minimums we talked about previously of, say, 20 million per fund, you need 10, 15 funds, you end up with quite large numbers, and they can't meet that. But they do understand the asset class, and they do understand the need for having diversification and the benefits of the asset class. So when we engaged with them, we actually had that conversation quite early on, and uh, we're discussing the idea of building a portfolio over a three-year period because again you also need diversification across vintages so what we've been doing with them over the last almost two years now is building up that portfolio across different strategies different geographies different sectors and industries different currencies and now also different vintages so that they have that diversified portfolio and that's a very exciting process because it's a prime example of the types of investors who really understand and benefit from this asset class, but also understand the complexities and the need to have that diversification. And we're very excited to see them now grow into the point where they're beginning to to see sort of early, early signs of funds coming back out again and then building towards that stable portfolio that they are that they're looking to build.
0: So you help them think through their cash flow planning, the J-curve management, any secondary positions they need to take to help ameliorate that and build the diversified portfolio of 10 or 15 positions to make sure that they are well suited to withstand, you know, different rigors and different challenges that might present themselves by subsector or by economy or by currency or any of the different risk factors that they may take into account and and put them through to the other side where they're actually starting to see cash come back out as well as capital calls come in.
1: Exactly. And that's very exciting, especially because the foundation is actually supportive of the arts, which which is quite interesting. So helping them making these types of investment, make these types of, of enhanced returns is something that's a net benefit uh, out there in the real world as well.
0: I think private equity fueled humanities is a wonderful place to be.
1: <laughs> Agreed.
0: Well, Thomas, I want to thank you very much for stopping by the show today. It's been incredibly educational to learn how smaller investors are getting access to some of the most sophisticated and intriguing uh, investment opportunities on the planet. So, thank you for the education and thank you very much for the comradeship this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Hugh. I really appreciate the opportunity to share our story.
0: I'm Hugh MacArthur. Thank you for listening.